Kendrick, you know the Pope listens. Dynasty, our religion, for the blokes missing. On all of these trades, on all of these plays, on all of these grades. By the end of the day, y'all getting played. So, what you gonna do next? Try to fill up that flex? Send the homie a text? That trash off is the best? You try to make it complex? Then they text you back, now all of a sudden they don't make any sense? <laughs> Broaden your horizons, boy. Dynasty's not for the Simons, boy. These trades not for consignment, boy. Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy. This my advice from me to you. Open up your cute little podcast queue. Search up G-O-A-T District, my dude. Pop it in your ear, man. Y'all know what to do. It's the... And I always be traded. Traded. And I always be traded. Traded. And I always be trading. Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them. Fish. What is up, Fantasyland? Welcome back to the district. If you're new to the channel, help us get to 500 subscribers. Smash the subscribe right now. Sometimes you got to move the net, Theo, to catch the big fish. We're on a different time today, a bit earlier. We appreciate you guys tuning in live. I see a bunch of you kind of strolling in. We got a big show tonight. There's a lot to talk about. We thought we'd have Dan back, but the flow is keeping him down. Theo, I'm going to pass it to you. I might be in and out at first, but uh, I'm pumped for tonight. we got a big guest. You see him on the screen. Tell the people who he is. Yeah, so we're really excited to welcome Matt Shelf either back to the GOAT district or into the GOAT district. <laughs> yeah. I think it's, we, we were, we've had pretty much all of the draft sharks in the GOAT district. Um, so it's kind of like, I guess, the, the Mandela effect of, of fantasy podcasts when you start you know, figuring out which, one, which, which guys have been in and out. But we had Adam Krautwurst on about two weeks ago. It was an unbelievably good show. Um, highly recommend anybody listen to it. We had a deep dive into the tight end position. Um, stoked to have Matt on tonight. Matt, you guys are putting out some fire over Draft Sharks. Really fantastic podcasts. You guys have had a lot of a lot of beat reporters on recently. Um, and you guys, of course, are putting out some great articles. And I think one article you guys are, are really known for, uh, especially after, after the success you had last year, is your comeback player of the year. Uh, maybe you could talk about last year's comeback player of the year and uh, and a quick preview without saying who it is of of the one behind a paywall up on Draft Sharks. Yeah, first of all, thank you guys for having me on and thank you for shifting the time after I was at the theme park with my family yesterday <laughs> and realized that I had committed to be on the show at the same time as our first DS Invitational draft. So I appreciate you guys being flexible to help me get on okay. here. I will absolutely talk about last year's comeback player anytime. And I don't know why I'm not just wearing his jersey all the time because it was super tough. Because <laughs> Jared Small is wearing it probably right now. So <laughs> you got to borrow it. So we had the big three articles every year. It's comeback player, uh, breakout player, and uh, early round bust. And, you know, it's to single out the guys that we really think could be difference makers. And Cooper Cup, Jared and I just each kind of arrived at having much higher in our rankings than he was going. And so when we were figuring out who the comeback player was going to be, he pretty quickly rose to be that pick because even though, you know, we weren't necessarily like definitely Cooper cup over Robert Woods, obviously from the comeback side though, cup was coming off the injury, but both of those guys were going at value spots and cup had the comeback issue, had the uh, touchdowns in his past. So we knew that the ultimate ceiling was there. So he became the feature player for that comeback player. This year is a guy that I, I might even be, more excited right now about than I was about Cooper Cup at this time last year. 
So it, it was another easy pick, maybe even easier than Cup. It was agreement from all of us. That article's already up there. And I really think that he's somebody who could make a big difference, you know, in tournaments, in single leagues. I think he's somebody who's really in for a big bounce back year. When did the other two um, big ones drop, Matt? Are those on the, on the way pretty soon? The early round bus is actually coming tomorrow. I have to put the finishing touches on that article myself tonight after we're done talking. And then I believe it's the week after for the breakout pick. Awesome. I'm looking forward to it. Um, I had a chance to, to read the comeback player of the year article. It was great. Um, it's, it, it's worth the draft shark subscription for those three articles alone. Um, but you guys are putting out some fantastic stuff. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely, um, a group of guys that we really respect that, that we think are very sharp all together collectively. So it's, it's awesome to, to talk shop tonight. Uh, before we get going on the questions, I want to give a shout out um, to Joey Brown. Um, and, and I want to wish everything well to the people in Eastern Kentucky. Uh, Joey's a, a loyal draft sharks and goat district um, listener. Um, also draft shark subscriber. And he's a fantastic high stakes drafter in the NFFC. Um, he's in the draft sharks invitational this year. And I know he has some family members directly affected by the flooding. So we just want to give you a shout, Joey, um, and hope things are going to get back to normal there quickly. Yeah, good luck to you guys, Joey. Certainly thinking about you. Um, I want to get started. Um, we could go on and on about the, the hypocrisy of the NFL. But just strictly, <laughs> strictly from a fantasy perspective, we now have a presumed timeline for Deshaun Watson, six games. Uh, provided nothing changes with that timeline, how are you approaching – Amari Cooper, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, and David Njoku. And I think you've had some interesting takes on Hunt, so maybe you can elaborate on him a little more. Yeah, first of all, it, it, fortunately, we've had Watson projected to miss six games on Draft Sharks for a while because that's been kind of the murmur that that's what was coming. So that's how we said it. It's helped us look at the numbers from that standpoint. I think, you know, it, it – it has put Amari Cooper toward the bottom of wide receiver two territory in our rankings, whereas he's been mid to low wide receiver three in ADP. So I think there's value on him. I'm not sure that the ceiling's high enough that he becomes a target player for me because you're still talking about a range that includes guys like um, Darnell Mooney, uh, Rashad Bateman. So he's mixed in with some other guys that could all outperform that range. But there is certainly better value to Amari Cooper where he's going if we get Deshaun Watson for most of the season. I don't think Nick Chubb has been getting discounted. I think he's finally getting drafted where he should toward the end of round two, around that two, three turn. So if nothing's changing on him for me, Kareem Hunt, on the other hand, I think has been a value all along because he's been going a couple rounds later than where he's been over the past couple of years, even though nothing's changed for him. Um, we are expecting now that he's going to be the number two running back in Cleveland. If he's not, to me, it would be because another team traded for him. So I would think that his situation would get even better if he doesn't end up with the Browns. So I don't see an avenue from Hunt's ADP where he disappoints, obviously, unless he gets hurt, and that's an issue for anybody. David Njoku, the last one that he threw out, he's been going so late that I don't think the quarterback question has mattered for him. And when I projected way back in February – with just, you know, a full season of Deshaun Watson, because that's how I started my numbers. David Njoku's up there in the top 12 for me. So he's going to have to rise a lot to get out of the range where I'm drafting him. We'll see whether he picks up. I don't think that he's going to go up too much because there's just a lot of dudes floating around in that range of tight end. It doesn't seem like there's a ton of excitement for David Njoku. Maybe people are still, you know, hurting a little bit from him letting them down back in whatever it was his third season. 
Yeah, I think the Cooper one's interesting. Um, I agree that he's not as exciting as some of the guys going around him, but um, I think based on like your team structure, he becomes a little more interesting with Watson there because I think he could hit that mm-hmm. 130 target um, range that he hit like two seasons ago. I love your take on Hunt. Hunt is just such a value now. Um, I saw him go like mid eighth round recently. Uh, I think that, you know, if he rises up even a little bit, he's still value. And yeah, Nijoku is, Nijoku is, is super, uh, super interesting. And I think there's a lot of sharp people that want pieces of Nijoku this year. I know JD, you've been taking tight end late. Is Nijoku a guy that you've been, you've been drafting? Yeah, I was going to say both, both Njoku and, and Hunt are both guys that in positions that's, you know, depending on your build, you want to get depth. And those are guys, you know, if you're waiting at the position, especially at tight end. And Joku's just one of those guys that you, you want to throw in the mix. Uh, you've got like the Tanyans in there, the, the Noah fans, Hayden Hurst. You know, you, you throw a bunch of those together, uh, especially if you want to skip tight end early. And then you, you're going to hit on these guys, especially best ball. It's nice to, to mix these guys up. And then Dynasty, I mean, like you said, and Joku, not too many people talking about it right now, so maybe a good time to go buy uh, these guys. Hunt, for me, uh, again, he's one of these guys you want to throw in with the Pollards, the you know the Edmonds, uh, the, the, the Singletary's kind of in that group, that whether it's early or uh, what is it, 0RB or, or Hero RB. Um, he's another a guy you want to throw in there, especially on a team like this that's going to want to run the ball, especially in the first part of the, of the season. Um, and like we said, there's always kind of that, that option of maybe he gets traded or, you know, sent to a, to a, to a different situation. Uh, but even as is, he gave you RB 19 last year and he's going, I was trying to see where he's going about, like you guys said, end of the seventh into the eighth. I don't know what RB he is off the board because I don't have it in front of me, but I think you're getting good value there for sure. Yeah. I've liked a lot of the builds we've seen, um, where you're able to take him as like your RB three. Um, it, it yeah. really kind of gives you, solidifies your build. I've liked that a lot. Um, one one uh, take you've had this offseason, Matt, I actually heard it when you were on the couch with Sigmund Bloom, was you talked about kind of, and this is more of a, a way that fantasy drafters kind of approach things in their thought process. Talk about like the, the way drafters are approaching Jahan Dotson versus Sky Moore. Um, is, this a, is this a sound process? Or do people maybe maybe need to take a step back and, and look at things like draft capital um, when they're evaluating situations just a little bit more? Yeah, I think that people are still not doing that enough. And, you know, I think we all started out liking Sky more a lot as a prospect, you know, collectively. I'm sure there are differences, but we all liked him as a prospect. And then he lands in Kansas City and you're like, oh, Sky more with Patrick Mahomes. It's easy to get excited about that in a vacuum, but... We got to look at how long he stayed on the board. Even the Chiefs let some picks go without taking Sky Moore. He was the 13th wide receiver off the board. He went after Wandale Robinson, after John Mechie, after Tyquan Thornton, after Alec Pierce. Now, obviously, all those guys weren't picked by the Chiefs, so maybe they were just like, please give us Sky Moore. But I think this is an example of overrating the landing spot and not being with reality. And I say that just in relation to where – Jahan Dotson is going because he was the fifth wide receiver off the board, 16th overall in the draft ahead of Traylon Burks. And now he's going about 20 spots later in wide receiver ADP, maybe 18, depending on what ADP you're looking at. To me, that's just a, a complete mismatch. I mean, you could dive into each individual situation, how much sense the guy makes. And I don't think that Sky Moore is a crazy pick at wide receiver 47, but I do think relative to each other, it's just ignoring what the league told you about those two players with where they went 
it's interesting. It's it, it's kind of like people have their preconceived notions of a guy before the draft. Um, then the draft capital occurs, and they say, "Oh, you know that that pick was incorrect because this is how I viewed the guy." Um, whereas, you know, the fact that Dotson went that early, he's getting some rave reviews in camp. It's kind of going under the radar. I know um, we JD and I each added shares of him in Dynasty. It was super cheap to do so. Um, and, and I have Sky Moore, but I think it's more of a we need to take a step back and realize that maybe our priors before the draft is, is the wrong way to approach things. It's kind of like Kadarius Tony last year where people saw the draft pick and they're like, oh, this was a bad pick. And now people are tripping on over themselves to get Kadarius Tony and redraft this year. Uh, JD, you, you've got some Dotson. Uh, a stash on a number of your teams. Don't yeah, you? well, we, we it's a deodorant, right? The the Walmart deodorant. After you 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 know you go to Walmart to get your deodorant, and then you walk into like here here in Canada, we have Shoppers Drug Mart, right? That's like the the more expensive place to get all your pharma stuff. And uh, you, you, I, I just can't buy Dotson. I'm, I'm talking rookie drafts. This was this was kind of the, the example we were using, and it's similar in redraft. I mean, you're kind of seeing him come up now, but in rookie drafts, especially the early ones, you were getting him super cheap for first round, you know, the draft capital that he holds again, maybe one guy there that that's kind of going to be hogging a lot of those targets, but not much behind them. Uh, when's coming in, you think, you know, they're going to, they're going to trust him enough to, to get enough production out of Dotson. And like you said, you're talking about three, four rounds different right now in the football guys tournament, Matt, with what you're saying between Sky Moore and, and Dotson. And you would think that Dotson is getting more of the opportunities, maybe a little earlier uh, than more would just with all the competition they have out there in KC. And then you look at the the price, you know, do you want to, some people might want to skip the fifth round juju and maybe sprinkle a couple of those later options in the KC offense. I don't know, but Sky Moore is not someone I was paying for early when the hype was there. Maybe if he keeps dropping, uh, we'll see it. I don't know. What, where, where are you guys on, on where his Sky Moore's ADP is right now, like in the ninth, 10th round? You think that's... I think it's fine because I think that you're you're drafting for upside in that range anyway. Yeah. Um, and I think like even if his weekly floor is is uh, not necessarily there at the beginning of the season, I don't think you're drafting Sky more for for week one. I think you're you want him to be one of these rookies that's that develops as the season goes along, and then you know maybe week six on, uh, you've got a you've got a guy that's a borderline wide receiver two type range guy if it all works out well. Let's yeah. do a quick quick OTC. Sorry, Matt. I'll let I'll let you I'll let you jump in. Quick OTC, and you can throw it in with your answer. Sky Moore, or, or do you like Brendan Ayuk? Ayuk. Yeah, Ayuk for me. Right, and then uh, what about uh, Tyler Lockett? Sky Moore. Lockett. I'm still going Lockett. I, I just I'm a sucker for Lockett. Chris, Chris Olave. That would be Sky Moore for me. I think I'm going to Sky Moore, especially with Michael Thomas back. Okay, so those first three guys are also going after Sky Moore, Alave uh, as well, but you know, probably close between the two. Yeah, and that's why I w- I'm trying to be careful to not say that I think Sky Moore is going at an outlandish spot because I like him. I certainly see the upside of the situation. I think it's more important for considering what they are. And I think even though we all know how important draft capital is now, and I think we all probably factor it in more now than we used to, that's just like a, a, a pretty clear example of people still not. Cause we're talking about the fifth wide receiver drafted versus the 13th wide receiver drafted. And I'm, I, I don't know if Patrick Mahomes is the difference, but you know, I, I, I guess it's more important for where Jahan Dotson is going than for where Sky Moore is going. Cause it definitely, highlights Jahan Dotson as uh, an easy upside guy where he's going. 
Yeah, I think I think you know if I the way I took it is it was more of your general way of looking at yeah. the way that football the fantasy drafters kind of look at situations, and I, and I thought it was a very sharp way of doing so. Um, Want to talk about the one hundred and one? Um, it's a it's kind of a big argument right now. The the CMC versus Jonathan Taylor. Um, I think maybe a few months back it was Taylor, and now I'd say it's more more often than not. I think there's a little bit more people on CMC right now. Um, I've also heard an argument towards, you know, potentially considering one of the big two wide receivers behind them, uh, just especially for, for being unique in your builds, maybe for, for um, you know, high volume drafting and whatnot, especially in, in like the underdog contests. I know you guys recently had a FFPC main event where the Draft Sharks drafted. Um, who did you guys go with at the 101? We took Christian McCaffrey 101, and he was the, the consensus pick. Nobody was opposed to it. And for me, I, you know, I, I don't I don't know if calling him the clear number one over Jonathan Taylor is completely fair because if I'm picking it 10 times, it's not going to be 60-40, I think, right now for what I'm seeing. Maybe you would agree with that? Yeah, I would say I would say at least 60. It might even be more than that. But I also have Cooper Cup in the mix for those, and it depends on the format. But if we're talking full PPR, FFPC main event here where you only have to start two wideouts, it's probably running back. And for me, it's definitely McCaffrey over Taylor if I'm making that choice once. And it's just that he needs less to go, you know, exactly right for him to be the top player there. And if everything goes right for both of them, Christian McCaffrey still has the higher ceiling because of the receiving stuff. Jonathan Taylor needs that smash touchdown rate on the ground to be worth that spot. I mean, he was the top scoring running back last year, but it was still down from where the past few years of top scoring running backs have been. So I just, I think there's, you know, there are more things that can go well for McCaffrey to keep him from letting us down from that spot. If you draft 10 times, are you mixing it up? Yeah, I would, it would be, I, I, if I'm drafting 10 times, it would probably end up being something like five. If we're talking main event, five McCaffrey, three cup and two Taylor, I think. And the thing with cup, when I need to start three receivers, he's my favorite pick there because I think he has the lowest chance of busting for you among the three of them. Um, you know, not just because a wide receiver is less likely to get hurt, but even though last season for cup was a convergence of everything going exactly right, each individual piece wasn't outlandish. I mean, the target share was huge, like 31%. That's probably not happening again, but 27, 28% seems reasonable. The touchdown rate was not out of this world. It was right around 11%, I believe. That's right in line with where he's been for most of his career. The catch rate was up a little bit, but not crazy. So, you know, all these pieces, it's like, yeah, he could repeat that thing. That one could be down a little bit. Maybe he's not the number one wideout, but he's not going to go from one to like 12 this year. I don't think if he's healthy. If he had zero touchdown catches last year, I believe he would have been wide receiver two overall. Theo, we, uh, we, we, have, we have an appearance. Uh, Mr. Flo is in the house. Welcome to Dan. I'm glad to see you got the, the power up, Dan. Uh, no, don't have the power up. Can you guys hear me? <laughs> we can absolutely hear you. Okay. You're good, man. You're good. All right. Sounds good. I'm, uh, I'm in my backup podcast studio uh, out <laughs> on the deck with the uh, hot spot going. Uh, enough light out here to be able to see what's going on. So, yeah, we're in business one way or another. And a, and a brief warning to the pros versus Joe's uh, drafters. Whenever Dan takes a draft outside, right. whenever he takes it takes it outside to the Minnesota, beautiful Minnesota summers, 
he usually puts together a ridiculous squad. So uh, we're, we're just there a we quick, go. quick little warning for those guys. Yeah, actually, um, you know, two two quick things. You just remind me, guys. Stay stay tuned. What is it? Nine p.m. Is it on uh, on at nine p.m. on the? Is it the FFPC site where they've got the pros versus Joes? Uh, they'll be streaming that live. So the three of us will be drafting a team in there. And uh, uh, Scott Connor, a, a big one of our favorite guests, big uh, dynasty guy, was on with me last week. Go check out our, our last, last episode. I wanted to throw that in for uh, the newbies, uh, especially for a midsummer dynasty deep dive. Um, we, I think that you're basically your your take on CMC is it's the optimistic approach to drafting. He's could be thirty points per game. Um, I, I love I love Taylor, but I can I can totally see it. I actually took with your argument for Cooper Cup. I took Justin Jefferson the other night at the 101 in NFFC um, 350 because uh, I just think that in the th- starting three wide receivers uh, format, I love getting one of those guys. But mm-hmm. I-, I think it's you're starting to see more people kind of on the the CMC, a healthy CMC at the 101, just because I think it's optimist- optimism in your builds. And, you know, he's got a clearer path to 30 points per game than, than Taylor does. I think Taylor has – for me, I, if I'm drafting 10 times, I'm still probably taking Taylor the most times. I love him, but I can totally see the argument. Dan, are, are you mixing it up these days? If you get if you get 10 101s in the FFPC main event, um, are you mixing it up? And, and how do you think it would be, break down for you? Uh, it kind of depends on how many 102s I get, I suppose. <laughs> so <laughs> that's definitely part of the equation. I mean, I, I'd love to end up with relatively even exposure between the two. It, it is interesting, though, Theo, you talk about 30 points. Uh, JT last year, the number one RB, 21.9, he gave you average. But then you go look at CMC when he was the number one, and he gave you just under 30 points per game, right? So so if you're looking for that ceiling, um, as much as I'm a JT guy and I'm a Colts fan, I, I think sprinkling some CMC, because the age and all that, the apex, and you know, there's a bunch of things that kind of balance it out, I think. So I might go more 50-50. And I saw, by the way, one of the listeners saying, what about Justin Jefferson? I certainly, I would, I have taken some Justin Jefferson over Cooper Cup just to make sure I'm not missing out on Justin Jefferson. Like Dan's point with the 101 and 102, like I don't want to not have any Justin Jefferson just because I landed in front of him and took Cooper Cup every single time. Yeah. And Dan and I did get a, a 101 FFPC dropped our main event uh, draft slot. So we're, we're splitting the team in uh that's the that's the, the the online one, Dan. We have we have one on one, so we can discuss this for about a month. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Depending on what happens, you may have to talk me out of Justin Jefferson at the one on one. It'll be on every show sheet from now till then. <laughs> it's not it's not hard to get me to take Justin Jefferson. You just need to ask, Dan. Um, yep. And then uh, Matt, I wanted you're, you guys are you guys are big in Bills territory. Um, Draft Sharks guys, um, a real presence up there in uh, in Western New York. Um, talk to me about Stefan Diggs. I know you're very bullish on him this season. He's currently getting drafted as wide receiver four overall, goes somewhere between the mid first and early second round. I've loved my builds when I draft Stephon Diggs. What, what, how are you approaching him this season and your expectations for him? Yeah, he was particularly a target for me early in the drafters drafts where it's full PPR and you start three. I have him right where he is in ADP. That's where he is in my ranking. So I like him and I just feel comfier with Stefan Diggs than with Devonte Adams and CD lamb who, you know, with Adams, we have the question of going to Vegas. We also have a pretty decent size injury history and the draft sharks injury guide has a high for receivers projection on Devonte Adams's chances of getting hurt. And, you know, it's not a reason that I would take Adams off my board, but it's one of those, 
splitting hairs things that doesn't go in Adams's favor. Lamb, we just haven't seen him be the lead wide receiver yet, so it's just that question. We have seen Stephon Diggs be the dominant number one receiver in Buffalo. And one reason that I feel better about Diggs and kind of talking myself into why I feel that way is um, I don't love Gabriel Davis. I think he's overpriced, and I think that I've noticed, especially playing in like these tournament formats, not I, I've noticed that in previous seasons, I've not thought enough about how I should alter my thinking for teammates of a guy who I don't like or do like, you know, whatever my expectation is for that team, I need to think through the impact on everybody else. So if I'm not at all taking Gabriel Davis where he's going, but yet I'm not down on Josh Allen, I'm not down on the offense, I'm not you know, going out of my way to buy the running backs, then I should really like Stefan Diggs because what I'm even subconsciously expecting is that he's going to continue to be the clear number one wideout in one of the league's top pass offenses. He does have some upside in both his touchdown rate and his yards per catch. Last year, his ADOT actually went up and his yards per catch went down. So that doesn't seem like it should happen. So one of those two things is going to change. I'm going to go ahead and bet that there's some upside to the yards and the touchdowns. And I mean, you know, he's fairly safe from that starting point. Nobody's truly safe going that early, but I feel pretty good about Stefan Diggs. And I do think he has the upside to, you know, ultimately lead the the position in scoring if everything went right. Yeah, I love that take. And we haven't seen a massive touchdown year for Diggs in Buffalo. He had this ridiculous year in year one there where he won leagues. And then last year, we wouldn't we would say slightly disappointing at ADP, but not really. He still was a wide receiver one. Um, Dan, I know you love Stephon Diggs uh, this year as well. Maybe anything to add? Yeah, it, it, not a whole lot to add. I mean, other than just he's kind of my go-to guy in the back half of that first round. If there's you know kind of nobody else good that I like or whatever, um, I'm I'm taking Diggs there because I feel real good about him. I feel like he's got a great. Um, you know, there's a, there's a great story for upside, and um, he's also a guy who, as long as he's healthy, he's not going to lose you anything as well. Um, you know, and that's that's kind of a nice uh, that's that's a nice way to uh, close out the first round um, if you're not finding a guy you look better. He also opens you up to those second round running backs, which I think there's a number yep. of guys we we all like in that range. Um, whereas if you go running back and then hit wide receiver, like Matt said even though they're, they're all like really attractive draft picks, there's, they're just a little more question marks than Diggs is just seems like Teflon um, right now. Um, JD, you've been drafting Diggs as well. Yeah, I just did a draft. Yeah. He's my wide receiver four, as I told you guys uh, before we pressed the red button drafters. I, I, last night I did a live one. I'm pretty sure it was a drafters, either drafters and FFPC, but at the back end, same Dan, sometimes it's nice because he might fall even further into the second uh, those are always nice to get them. Uh, it's a little bonus. And then in those super flex, it, it's nice because he gets to that two, three turn. But I mean, you can't go wrong with digs. You think that offense is just going to keep, uh, you know, improving and progressing. And like you said, Theo, the touchdowns, maybe when they're not there, we always expect them to, to show up. And this year, I mean, you know, who's, who's more favorite than the bills, uh, to just smash in the league this year. So you want part of that offense. He's definitely the one. Um, and then if you like to, to hit your, your quarterbacks early, you can stack them with Allen uh, coming back if you want to be the first to take the, the quarterback. But I like Diggs where he's going at the back end at the first there. And you mentioned we haven't gotten that big touchdown season yet, but he led yep. the league in end zone targets last year. So I think it's coming unless they just stop throwing to him there for some reason. Exactly. You had a couple, a couple of those games where you thought you were going to have like a 35, 40 point game and he'd like 
it would it would just miss. It would be like a one touchdown game, or it was a little. It was very frustrating. But I, we're, we're rooting for you, Stephon Diggs. We, we're, we're we're expecting it this year. Um, you guys have like we talked about a little earlier. You guys have been crushing it with these, um, with these beat reporters and team specific pods. I think it's a really cool thing you're doing. You had yeah. Grant Cohn on. Am I saying it's Cohn or Con? Grant Cohn, um, who was a, a 49ers guy. I thought he was good. Um, mm-hmm. and, and you guys discussed it. What is your expectations for – I'll say it's an offense we're all pretty excited about with Trey Lance taking over the reins. Um, what, what's your expectations for Trey Lance and also his, his offensive weapons? Debo Samuel, who got the massive contract this week. Uh, George Kittle. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, who, who we're all – I mean, I'm, I know I'm bullish on Ayuk, and I know, I'm, know you are as well. Um, and then the running backs. Yeah, I think it was really exciting when Trey Lance dipped outside of the top 12 when there was a lot of chatter about Jimmy Garoppolo maybe sticking around. It's a little bit harder to get excited about him now that he's going QB8 on underdog. And, I don't, you know, I, I think he's probably going to be going in that range, especially as we get into more main events where people say, I want Trey Lance. He seems like that kind of guy that people are going to plant a flag with. I think last year's Jalen Hurts season is probably, you know, a decent bar for – expectations for Trey Lance. I think we're going to go low pass rate with San Francisco just because that's how they leaned anyway. And now they've got a brand new quarterback who is in his first year starting in the NFL. I, I, I don't, I, I'm not going to be overweight on drafting Trey Lance from where he's going. I'm excited about the upside. I do think he has the upside to pay off. I think at QB eight or anywhere in that range, it's probably a little bit early for him to be a target for me. And then, I don't know, maybe you guys have thoughts on that before we dive into the other members of the offense. Well, shout out uh, to Chris Vaccaro, our guest tomorrow night of the athletic and NFFC hall of famer. He took Trey Lance in the draft. I was in with him ahead of Jalen hurts and ahead of Tom Brady. And for the NFFC, Tom Brady is a, a very safe pick with a six point passing touchdown. So I think there's a lot of people getting excited about Trey Lance. Um, I'm excited about his, his ability to pass downfield. I think that's kind of underrated. Um, it seems like they're going to try to target Ayuk downfield, um, potential big plays for Debo as well, and we know Kittle can get loose. So I like the idea of a quarterback who can really run with the downfield targets. And it's like in Draft Sharks, you guys show like the range of outcomes. Um, I think Lance is, is that guy. Um, if you're really shooting for upside – uh, he could he could be a guy who could take you to the promised land that you're not having to use like a, a Kyler Murray or Lamar Jackson like draft capital on although it's getting there. Dan, right. how about you? Yeah, I definitely like um, Lance where he had been going. Um, you know, I I'm actually just now starting to kind of get back into draft, so uh, trying to trying to get my handle back on the ADP and everything as to where he's at right now. But as long as he's um, you know, not in the top nine or 10 quarterbacks, then I think Lance is still definitely a value, um, you know, and, and it's guys like that, that I look to, to, um, to try to supercharge an, a lineup. Um, like you were saying, you, you can get Kyler Murray or, um, you know, Lamar Jackson weeks out of a guy who's, uh, quite a bit cheaper. Well, go ahead, JD. No, I was just going to say he's kind of going there, Dan, and that that's kind of the – I think you guys, Matt and, and Dan, both touched on it. He was going at a really nice price early, and I think as we get closer to the season – because, look, he's got the weapons there, especially, you know, you you, you believe Debo's going to come back. He's got all those weapons there. We see we see the talent that he has, so you, you the hype is just going to build 
as we see this kid on the field. But I was going to do some quick OTC guy like Trey Lance or, or Dak Prescott. Well, that's the thing. I was just looking at Dak Prescott because he's a full round later in underdog ADP. And there are two other quarterbacks in between him and Trey Lance. So it's more like Trey Lance or somebody else. And then next round or maybe even the one after. Depending and and on the, the, the somebody else is our guys who have done it. Like you got Russell Wilson, you got Joe Burrow on, in the FFPC football guys right now. They're all going like right beside him. So for me, it gets hard as we get closer to the season, but I did like his value, like Dan said earlier on. I just think that he's got such a floor with his rushing ability that he's a guy that I I definitely want exposure to. And I know some people listening to this might only draft one team in the entire season. Um, But I know for for guys who draft a lot of teams like like we do, uh, I don't not want some Lance. Um, He's got a massive rushing floor, and also we love his weapons. If we just simply take... Kittle, Ayuk, and Debo in a vacuum versus every other wide receiver combo and tight end. I mean, we're, we're putting them in, in definitely the upper third, if not higher, in the NFL. So, And we also believe in his, his coach and offensive scheme that's produced with, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo um, has gotten, you know, big offensive outputs from guys. So, I don't know. It's, it's interesting to me. And you do bring up the guys that are proven, but Lamar Jackson 2019 – he came in, he hadn't done anything. Patrick Mahomes the year before hadn't done anything. Kyler Murray was quarterback two, I believe, like two seasons ago, and he didn't have any massive success before that. So, And Jalen Hurts last year was QB6. So we've seen guys do it the last few years where they absolutely smashed their ADP at the quarterback position, and, and I think Lance is a good bet. Um, and, and as good a bet as any as a guy who could really, really be that guy this year. Matt, how about the, his, his weapons? Uh, how excited are you about those guys? I am. I have not been excited about Debo ever since draft season started because he, he began in round one, which was way too early. He's still in round two. And it's just it doesn't work for me because the guy that we got last year did everything outlandishly. He spent the first half of the season as the wide receiver one wasn't getting wide receiver, you know, the wide receiver one targets, but was leading the league in yards per catch was scoring, was going downfield. He spent the second half of the season as like the midnight dream of what everybody sees when they watch Tony Pollard, where he scores every single time he carries the ball and was also getting a few carries. This season is probably not going to look like either of those versions of Debo Samuel. He's not going to do either of those things at that kind of rate. So He's not somebody that I'm buying in on. If it's a best ball format where we have those playoff weeks at the end, I don't want to be totally out because he obviously can have those boom weeks where even if it's a disappointing season, he's somebody I need to have in week 15, 16, 17. So I don't want to be totally out there, but if I'm building a lineup setting roster, I'm close to totally out on Debo Samuel there. Brandon Ayuk is a lot easier to buy because he's going significantly later. We, the talent's there. I'm not sure the motivation is, but he's going at least late enough, like wide receiver four territory, that if he doesn't hit, if he doesn't get it together, if he's in the doghouse again, it's not killing me. And then Kittle's kind of in between, where I'm at market, where like if Trey Lance, I, he might be the one that I'd be most interested in stacking with Trey Lance because he doesn't need to get as many targets as the wide receivers to hit versus others, others at that position. And I think if Trey Lance does immediately hit as a passer he's almost definitely going to bring the tight end with him and probably give George Kittle more touchdowns than what we've gotten from him so far he had success with the tight end position in college I don't know if that was 
Um, you know, necessarily not having a ton of weapons there, but he he definitely did um, target tight ends. Um, Ayuk, I, I love that you're on Ayuk. Um, I think that he's a guy that I've come around to drafting a lot. He's getting a lot of buzz that's positive from both the beat writers and then the coaching staff talking him up, which is like a summer ago, they were doing everything they could to kind of throw him under the bus. And then he totally struggled for the first half of the season. But it sounds like he's a guy that's matured and they're talking about getting the ball downfield. I mean, I think that year three, Ayuk could be a nice bounce back. Um, Kittle, I'm like, I just haven't drafted a whole lot of Kittle. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. not, I don't dislike Kittle. I just haven't drafted a whole lot. Um, Dan, where are you at on, on those, the big three weapons in San Fran? Yeah. So I'm, I'm pretty much the same on Debo. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to have him sprinkled in, but it's a little bit tougher and uh, you know, just a, like a standalone league to put him in there. Um, Ayuk, I do, I do like the price on, I, I think, Matt kind of hit the nail on the head with uh, the potential lack of motivation there. He just hasn't really seemed to to be able to work his way permanently out of the Shanahan doghouse. Um, he's kind of in and out, in and out all the time. And those guys worry me. Uh, but again, at, you know, it, as Matt was saying, at that price, I will, I will definitely have some shares. And Kittle's a guy I've been warming to as well. Um, I One thing I like is this is about as cheap as we've seen him. Um, uh, you know, it, over the past several years. So, um, you know, there's something to be said for that. And, um, uh, you know, it, a lot of, a lot of the problem with Kittle is just basically injury related. You know, if he's, if he's not hurt and he's in your lineup, he's probably going to produce. So, um, you know, he's one of those guys that's, uh, especially in managed leagues, he's really easy to, uh, you know, figure out, um, if I have Kittle, I'm going to want a good second tight end, uh, you know, to be able to put in there with him. But, um, you know, if Kittle's healthy, I'm definitely putting him in there and I'm not, I'm going to sleep just fine. Kittle, I've had to like talk myself into because I like Dallas Goddard a lot and you can wait three or four rounds and take Dallas Goddard. But then I look at George Kittle, I'm like, man, there's not been another year where we could get him in the fifth. If yep. things go well for him, if Trey Lance is just, you know, ready to be a, a good NFL quarterback, not even terrific, but just good. Like we could be looking back at George Kittle's ADP and being like, how could we not have been buying George Kittle? I mean, if he's healthy, he he's definitely got tight end one overall in his range of outcomes. Well, he's, he's given us two tight end, three seasons, one tight end, one, a tight end four last year. And then obviously his rookie season was a little different, but the last four years, he's been a top four tight end. He's going as a tight end five off the board at that price in the fourth, fifth round tight end premiums, uh, especially you're looking at these football guys tournaments but this team what's nice with San Fran like you said guys they're nice to stack they're easy to stack especially hitting Kittle Lance and then you know Ayuk uh they, they give you a nice uh nice little route uh in your draft when you're when you when you start taking them especially if you start with Kittle Debo I'm like you guys man I had so much Kittle the la- or Debo the last couple of years I love him as a player uh but at his price it's hard to pay it's like the deodorant you know I just once I paid 399 man I can't pay it the, these second round <laughs> prices anymore I think JD yeah. had a great. You have a great point on that. The the tight end four finish for Kittle last year, like last year he finishes tight end four, but he still crushed you um, in terms of where you had to spend draft capital in order to draft him. And it's kind of like the 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 cutoff line for absolute tight end smash uh, season was like Mark Andrews smashed. He crushed his ADP. Travis Kelsey big win rates, and then tight end tight end three was Dalton Schultz. You got him off the waiver wire, or you took him in like the twentieth round you know, cause you're like a sicko and, and you love drafting, you know, murky tight end situations like we do, but Kittle finishes tight end four, but it didn't, 
it didn't impact you. And and he gave like you the most touchdowns. Time. He gave you the most touchdowns he's given you too with six, which is interesting, right? Because it can't, it's kind of the opposite of what you would think. But 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 this year, if he finishes tight end four, it doesn't matter if it's a, if it's like a tear break from the position from one or two. He's still going to return value because, like Matt said, you're getting him in like the the fifth round in some of these. You know, FFPC he's going later than he has, and like NFFC and FFWC, forget about it. You can get him. You can get him super late. So. He's super interesting. Um, just just yeah. as an aside, Theo, um, figured I'd throw out there that uh, dynasty trade I made uh, this weekend where I, I traded. Oh, you took it down. Yeah. I traded A.J. Brown for uh, Kittle and a third. And, uh, you know, my, my reasoning behind it was basically, A, it's FFPC, so tight end premium. So that gives Kittle extra value there. And also, I'm, I'm basically trading uh, a guy who has a lot of trouble staying on the field, but is a yak monster when he is on the field, for a guy who has a lot of trouble staying on the field, who's a yak monster when he is on the field. And I got a third round out of it. And I got, uh, you know, I, I switched him over to a position that was more valuable, uh, the tight end position. So. And a yep. humble brag for Dan is Dan has so much AJ Brown that he can afford to lose. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's easy. Like, it's you're, you know, you're you're not wrong there. <laughs> I, I am not. I'm definitely not wrong on that one. Um, we we don't really need to go too much into detail on the 49ers running backs, uh, Matt. But is there? Do you have a specific play if you're at cost? Would you rather have Elijah Mitchell or or Tyrion Davis Price or maybe a later one? Or is it a situation you're avoiding altogether? It's a situation I've been mostly avoiding. Elijah Mitchell, I've been off of throughout draft season just because every throughout all of Kyle Shanahan's coaching history, every running back that has gotten primary running back carries has fallen off in carries per game the next year. And I know we saw Elijah Mitchell be the lead back last year. It's just if you look back every single one, there's not been anyone that did not fall off the following year. He doesn't catch passes. I don't think that we should expect it. So I, I think he's at an okay price where I'm not telling anybody he's a bad pick, but I just don't think the ceiling's there where he's still not on my board. And then if I knew that Ty Davis price was the second running back, then sure I'd be on him, but I don't know that. I mean, the third round running back they took last year, let everybody down. So I'm certainly not about to trust the guy that wasn't anybody's buzz running back coming out of LSU ahead of the draft he's now like this year's Trey Sermon he just hasn't given us Trey Sermon season yet so I've been mostly staying out and I, there are just other guys whether it be running back or even other positions that I like more in the range where I would be considering them yeah two oh, I'm sorry Dan go ahead yeah I, I was just gonna say Elijah Mitchell is kind of starting to fall to the place where he's interesting to me um uh, you know he's he's going kind of basically as a back end, you know, the end of the RB2, beginning of the RB3 range. And, you know, at that price, I'm definitely going to make sure I've got a share or two. Uh, you know, it, I don't I don't want to load up on him, but, um, you know, with that San Francisco backfield and, and the amount of points that can be scored out of it, even with uh, Trey Lance siphoning off some of that work, um, I, I still think there's some upside at, uh, at where Mitchell's going right now. Yeah, and RB26 and FFPC ADP on our site right now. So I agree. He's he's a, a some shares guy, certainly, in that yeah. range. Yeah. Yeah, and even if, if you take him in the seventh round and you get 10 starts out of him, even if he's just, like, brittle and that's and, and they're going to work other guys in, if you get 10 starts out of Elijah Mitchell from the seventh round, he'll be, you know, an RB2 every every single week. Um, so he, you're right. I think he is starting to get interesting as he get pushed gets pushed down. Two – Give me your quick thoughts on two really murky situations. 
Is there a Kansas City running back that interests you? And is there a Green Bay wide receiver that interests you? Isaiah Pacheco has gotten interesting over the past few days because he's getting some buzz and working ahead of the other guys. And I mean, Clyde Edwards, Elair, I, I like the best and I've been drafting him at wherever he's been going. Cause he hasn't gotten anywhere close to being too expensive uh, to bet on. I have not bet on Ronald Jones, which has also converted into supporting CEH more. I have never liked Jarek McKinnon as a draft option. So I'm especially happy to hear Pacheco getting that early bump working ahead of McKinnon, Derek Gore, um, and other guys there in practices. I'm waiting to see him move up the ADP now to the range where we can't take him anymore. But I'm interested because I don't think Jer- – I think Jarek McKinnon has been getting overdrafted um, all along. And then did, you said the Green Bay wide receivers as well, right? Yep. Um, the I, I like Romeo Dobbs. He's been getting a bit more buzz lately where he's going to climb some. But to me, this is a situation where – I'm taking shots late. Alan Lazard, he, I guess it's kind of similar to Sky Moore in that he's going in a range where it's okay. He's right outside of wide receiver three territory so far. That might climb if we keep getting stuff like Aaron Rodgers alluding to him being the number one wideout. So he's okay, but I don't think there's a whole lot to Alan Lazard. So I'd much rather wait, 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 and grab somebody late. And to me, it's Dobbs because he came in with the – the book on him being polished, being like NFL ready, runs good routes. And the coaches were talking about him early and pressing in practices. Uh, the Matt LaFleur has already talked about him, like settling into um, a regular process of, of just like consistency. Like he's, he's, he's doing what rookies don't usually do. So just the way they're talking about him sounds like the kind of guy that could earn trust early, get on the field early and is going late enough in a draft that, you're really just buying a penny stock. I like the I like the Dubs call, and I I complimented you in the pre-show. Um, Matt's been talking Dubs for like a month and a half, and this week he started getting drafted. Uh, Fantasy Mojo tweeted out, you know, that he's going like in the thirteenth round. Um, I drafted him in the sixteenth round this weekend. I think he's he's interesting. Um, he's getting a lot of great buzz. Uh, Dan, anything to add? Is there a Green Bay wide receiver for you at this point? So going. Back to Kansas City, um, I'm, I'm three-fourths of the way there with Matt. Uh, I agreed with everything up until his fate of McKinnon. Uh, at, at cost, I'm going to have some McKinnon as well. Uh, the guy's just too electric. Um, it took him a while to come back from that bad knee injury he had at San Francisco, but uh, he, he appeared back. And uh, the, the one guy I'm definitely not betting on is Ronald Jones. The, he's, he just manages to find his way into the doghouse everywhere he goes. Uh, those are not typically guys that I'm going to put any sort of trust in whatsoever. And then uh, Green Bay wide receivers. Oh, and uh, Pacheco. Um, that's a great call. That's somebody that I, I kept taking stabs on in uh, rookie drafts this this spring. So uh, he's he's somebody I'm definitely rooting for. Uh, no idea what he can end up doing, but uh, I'm, I'm rooting for him for sure. And then Green Bay, same thing with uh, Dobbs as Pacheco. I've, I was taking a lot of late shots on him. Uh, so I, I like him a lot there. Uh, the drafting I was doing, uh, before I took my little hiatus, uh, I, I really didn't have any, uh, dubs and season long or best balls or anything like that. Um, so I may have missed the boat there a little bit, but he's a guy that I, I'd rather bet on than, uh, Lazard, uh, just based on the cost. Um, also even rather bet on him than Watson just based on the cost and the sneaky guy that I would be picking up in, uh, in Green Bay, I guess, is uh, Randall Cobb. 
I think he could probably do some early season damage. I don't expect him to last all season or anything like that. But uh, the first few games, he might uh, be able to hold down a spot in your wide receiver room until uh, somebody else is ready to contribute. Pacheco's, Pacheco, um, I loved hearing that he was. they were working him out of the slot today. I yeah, thought that was yeah. super interesting. He's like a four-three-seven guy. He's he's an athletic freak, and I think if he makes the roster, he's the kind of guy that at some point in the season um, you could be spending fab on. Um, and you know, Derek Orr had those weeks, so uh, it's 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 very interesting in, in Kansas City that we're talking about Isaiah Pacheco, and it is August now. JD, JD anything? Um, any any Green Bay wide receiver for you right now? Yeah, thirteen percent Lazard right now in FFPC ownership. Uh, you know, little sprinkles later on. Uh, the the KC guys CH it's like every time I think you know what okay I'm I'm you know I I, I want to gather some shares again I I just I just passed on him just now and I went I went Judy with uh, to add Judy to Sutton in a in this best ball I'm doing just I just can't do it man with CH I, I was never on it and he hasn't done enough to to change my mind so just hoping that this year it's going to happen when you see the team keep bringing in new, you know, other running backs to kind of to run behind them or with them or whatever it is. I want shares. I don't want zero shares. I always base it on, you know, how much I, I want of a guy. Uh, I'm not going to have no CH, but I, I don't have a lot of it. I like taking s- sprinkles on the late guys. Pacheco and Dynasty, I think Dan and I have them on, on a couple of Dynasty teams that we own together. And I think all, all of us were grabbing them anytime we could. He was so cheap in, the, in those rookie drafts, again, tied to the KC offense. JD, I appreciate you leaving uh, CEH on the board for me. Get ready for disappointment, man. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah, but from RB28, if he disappoints me from there, I forget about it. I don't even have any idea that it's happening come January. He's, he's one of those guys that enough people don't like him that he's like a sleeper that you can actually buy as a sleeper, you know, which they don't they don't exist a lot these days in fantasy. So I, I respect the, the CEH love. Two rounds behind Elijah Mitchell on underdog still, by the way. Yeah, that's that's solid. Another another uh, running back who was a disappointment um, that's starting to have a, a, a little bit of buzz, but he's still going super late. Matt, I've heard some interesting takes from you on Miles Sanders. I drafted him at the seven twelve in an NFFC uh, online championship last night. So you know, seven twelve for a guy behind that offensive line, I felt like that could could be a, a big reward. Um, what's your thought on Sanders right now? Is he a guy you're targeting or a guy you're taking when, when he, when he falls to you. My thought on Miles Sanders is that no matter what happens to him this season, he's probably going to be somebody I talk about in therapy because <laughs> I started out draft season in love with him. I mean, he's going in the range that you're talking about. I've seen that he maybe even a therapy air horn. The I'm rusty. I'm real late. In the history of the Coke <laughs> district. Mental health air horn. Yes. <laughs> So Miles Sanders, I mean, he was, he started out going even later than he is right now, but within that range and absolutely the ceiling is high from there for, for all the same reasons as CEH is there are things that he's let us down with before, but now that's all baked into the cost. So if they give him lead back carries, he absolutely could pay off. Now there are little signs along the way that maybe he doesn't have the ultimate ceiling that I hope for last year. He, was not a favorite near the goal line. And that hasn't been something he's been awesome at all along. The receiving has been hit or miss. So if they give more of that to Kenneth Gainwell, he could just, you know, kind of settle in where he is RB 23 for the season. And maybe he's fine at ADP, but he doesn't have the ultimate ceiling. So 
And ultimately, what I would say on him is that he's going late enough that I'm still okay with buying Miles Sanders where he's going because he's not going to crush me from an RB26, a, you know, round seven or whatever it is in the specific draft. But I have at least tempered my excitement with some of the some of the pink flags. They're not fully red, but they're pink flags on him. JD, seventh round, Miles Sanders, or twelfth round, Kenneth Gainwell. I was going to say thirteenth, Gainwell. Man, I'm all over Gainwell. Gainwell. I'll, I'll say, I'll say Gainwell. I'll say Gainwell. Just from like, like I don't, I don't think we're going to see him. Like I, have seen him at the eleven twelve turn. Abib took him at the eleven twelve turn in our, in our main event, and uh, Andrew and I took him in the twelfth round. So like, well, I don't think you're this is football. Him. This is football, guys. Latest update as of August first that that I'm seeing. So anywhere you get him there, twelfth, thirteenth, eleventh, whatever. To me, I, I way rather pass on Miles Sanders. And Dan knows I was the biggest Miles Sanders fan when he first came in the league. Uh, best year he gave you was RB17 uh, when you're looking at points per game. And and I, there's so many. I like this offense going into this season. He might be one of the only pieces uh, that I'm not a big fan. And one of the reasons is that you can get Gainwell. He gave you what? RB, RB5 and RB11 the last two weeks against Tampa and Dallas. Uh, Gainwell. So I, I think they showed, he showed enough last year. That if Miles Sanders falters and and there's a good chance he does or gets hurt, uh, that I think I think they will lean on Gainwell. He's got that that uh, you know three down RB type of uh, type of mode. And just real Six quick on the, on the could get hurt front, he's tied for the highest injury probability on our injury guide, so it's certainly mm-hmm. a concern. Yeah, it's a good point. Uh, talking about ADPs that are kind of converging or at least close enough to be impactful to draft to drafters players on the same team. Um, Want to get Matt's picks on Mike Williams versus Keenan Allen, Jerry Judy versus Cortland Sutton at ADP, which, which guy are you taking for those two situations? It would be Keenan Allen when I'm setting a lineup, the guy that I can bet on every week, Mike Williams for best ball, because he definitely wins on spike weeks. I just don't think we're going to get him being different in terms of target share than what he was last year and week to week reliability. And I, you know, I put some finger quotes on that because we overrate reliable receivers, but Keenan Allen's one of those few that does give it to us every week. And then what about Jerry Judy, Corton Sutton? Judy Sutton is, is more of a neither really for me at cost. I don't, I'm not buying either of them much. If I have to choose, I'm taking Judy, especially because he's going behind Sutton. But I say that not even feeling great about it because, you know, maybe it is Sutton is the favorite guy for Russell Wilson. I just, I don't think that either guy is a smash from where he's going. So they're just kind of there and I'll take one if I, if I, if I'm looking to like mix exposure at that point. Is there a Denver Bronco that you love drafting if, if it's not one of those two? I wouldn't say love. I, th- I think I'm most interested when I'm setting a lineup and taking Russell Wilson and not taking one of those receivers because then I can get the passing game upside without having to bet uh, on a receiver when I don't like any of them as the favorite. Certainly if it's best ball, you know, Lake Tim Patrick is good, but that might be my favorite among the pass catchers because otherwise it's just everything is spread around and I don't have any single thing that makes me want to bet on one guy being way ahead of the others. And then a little further down, Elijah Moore, who goes somewhere, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh, um, or Garrett Wilson, who's now right around round 10. Is there a, a favorite pick for the, for a Jets wide receiver? 
I mean, it's got to be Garrett Wilson. This is another situation where I don't care if I miss out on both of them, but Garrett Wilson is like 19 or 24 spots in wide receiver ADP behind Elijah Moore, depending on where you're looking. And that just doesn't make sense to me. Well, the only difference between them is Elijah Moore has played a year in the NFL, but they drafted Garrett Wilson inside the top 10. They drafted Elijah Moore in the second round. It's the same coaching staff that did that. So I don't have a reason to believe that Elijah Moore is that much better a player than Garrett Wilson. I will say the Jets the Jets have said that they value if it was like Elijah Moore was in this draft class, they would have valued him a lot higher. And I don't know if that's just play, paying lip service to a guy they have, but that's that's a situation where I want both because I think they're both talented and, and uh JD and Dan, any anything different to add with those those three wide receiver situations? Let me say too that I would also take oh. some more in the range where he's going because he has come down from where he was early in draft season. Yeah, for sure. Um, I guess as far as uh, Keenan and uh, Mike Williams, uh, Matt nailed it. Um, Keenan and uh, managed leagues is definitely the way I'm going. Um, I will take some of the Denver wide receivers um, and best balls more so than in managed leagues, just because of the fact that, uh, you know, Russell Wilson was able to take, uh, you know, guys like Tyler Lockett and, and Doug Baldwin and turn them into superstars. Um, but that kind of almost makes Tim Patrick be more of the guy that I would like to uh, have the most shares of, but it's, it's really hard to completely fade uh, Sutton or Judy for that reason, though. Um, I'm, I'm probably a little bit higher on Sutton than Judy, um, even though he's a little bit more expensive just because Judy really hasn't shown us anything great yet. And uh, that's, that's concerning for me. And then um, uh, what was it? Oh, Elijah Moore. Mo- yeah, more more is uh, yeah. I'm I'm definitely going to have some more. I'll have a little bit of Garrett Wilson. Um, I my main problem is I'm just not a big Zach Wilson believer, so that tempers my enthusiasm for both. Yeah. JD, anything to add with those? No, I mean I, for some reason Keenan Allen's a guy. I just like the other receivers in that round better than him. I like AJ Brown better. I like T. Higgins better. I like Cortland Sutton better, and I. I'm pretty high on Mike Williams. Uh, I like taking him in the fourth round, especially with around the, 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 the other guys that he's going around. I just think that that's like the flipping that, that people are waiting like Ethereum Bitcoin. I think that that's happening uh, in, in this offense this year. Mike Williams is a beast, man. And, and I think he's getting unleashed this year. Um, the, uh, the Sutton Judy, you guys heard me. I'm stacking them together when I can. I, I'm, I love this offense. Like I, I think this offense Wilson is going to be rejuvenated. He's going to be a beast. These two receivers are going to be beasts. Everyone's like, oh, which one do I want? Take both. Take take whichever. I, you know, some drafts I'll go Sutton. Some drafts I'll go Judy. Sometimes I'll mix them up. You guys know I love Alberto, one of my favorite tight ends this year, especially at his price. I think he's such a – if you wait on tight end, I mean, and you get tight end. Noah's, I mean, Alberto is your tight end one. I think that's just pure money. Um, so I, I like that offense. The Jets, you guys know I'm, I'm an Elijah Moore guy uh, i probably have too many shares of him in dynasty and, and in leagues in general um again i i like what he offers what he showed last year as as much as uh you know the rookie comes in this year i think it's a it, you know, we don't know how long it's going to take for him to, to jam and, and to get that that rapport with uh, zach but we've seen it from more and you think you you'd, you'd like to see this offense progress and, and throw the ball more so uh, you think more you know excuse the pun will will de- definitely benefit we're reaching the hour mark um, and I know Matt's got to go. So he, you have to answer the, the question that's contractually obligated for all of our guests <laughs> since, 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 dra- since rookie draft uh, pods ended. 
Um, and we will take Stefan Diggs out of the equation for this one because I know you're extremely bullish on him. Um, right now, Jamar Chase, Cooper Cup, and Justin Jefferson are the consensus top three um, in every single format in ADP. Um, Diggs is usually wide receiver four. If another wide receiver besides that group finishes wide receiver one overall this year, who is it going to be? Oh, that's a good one. It's not one I've really pondered, to be honest. Man, let me look at the the ADP real quick so that I don't and forget. Diggs is, and quick. Diggs has been a, a selection of many guests. But we're taking Diggs out of it for you because we know you're so, you're so bullish and, 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 and that's your guy. <laughs> All right, so it can't be Cooper Cup, can't be Justin Jefferson, cannot be Jamar Chase, cannot be Stephon Diggs. Um, I will say, man, who else can finish wide receiver one here? Let's try to pick a crazy one. Oh, man, it gets ugly. I'm getting into the range where I don't want to draft any of the wide receivers now. All right, <laughs> so I guess I guess I would have to go with CeeDee Lamb among the options that I'm looking at because if he does get that 28%, that's the knock is targets are earned and he hasn't earned them yet. What if he does get 28% of the targets this year in Dallas with a quarterback who has shown that he can be a top three fantasy quarterback? And I mean – we, it's pretty thin around him. James Washington just broke his foot today, so it's getting thinner around him. Oh, uh, did he really? Oh, that's yeah. I saw my Colbert chairs. <laughs> I guess I got to go CD Lamb. I, I love it. That's a, that's a couple of people have had that, um, and I think you've got the, the right argument. If he could just, just go nuclear target-wise, you could see 160 for him based on this offense. So that was awesome. Anything else to ask uh, Matt, guys? This has been awesome, man. Yep. Yeah, yeah, appreciate yeah, you having with us. Yeah, thanks ahead. for having me on, guys. Guys, check out Matt at S-C-H-A-U-F-D-S on the Twitter machine. You know where to find him on Draft Sharks. We appreciate his time. Theo, I mean, the the guest list. We, we were like, hey, we should do I, – I, I tweeted you guys, yeah, we should do like a, a Shark Week, you know, one week because we did that. We have Shark Week every day here in the district. We just shark after shark after shark after sharp. So, Theo, what do you have coming up? Um, so we have a bunch of great, great shows coming up throughout August. Tomorrow we have Chris Vaccaro, NFFC Hall of Famer. He's been on the GOAT District. This might be his fourth time on, at least his third time on. Um, he's one of the best drafters um, in the country. Um, he's won an NFFC primetime. Um, and he's he was in a draft with me the other night um, where we're going to get a chance to go over a board and talk about some high-stakes questions. And um, it's still early enough in the in the year that Chris will be honest and not give you the fake answer. So that'll be good as well. So we, we love we love having Chris on. He'll be on tomorrow night. And then we have another tight end show coming up on Monday. We have Andrew Cooper at Coop A Fiasco, who's been on the GOAT District before. Um, Dan Williamson is the, the tight end whisperer for the GOAT District, and this is one of his go-to tight end analysts. Um, Coop just dropped an awesome, awesome tight end article, which we will retweet uh, before the show on Monday. But if you liked what we did with Adam Krautwurst, you're going to like what we're going to do with, uh, with Andrew Cooper. We have a lot of tight end premium listeners. We're going to deep dive the hell out of the tight end position on Monday. Guys, let's give a, a thanks to our, our supporters, our sponsors, the FFPC. We talk about it often. We're going to be drafting the pros versus Joes at 9 o'clock tonight. Check it out on the FFPC channel, myffpc.com. Go sign up now. We'll hook you up with a $35 sign-up bonus. Just send us your deets. You know the drill on the underdog. You can play for millions of dollars right now, drafting on your phone, on your laptop. Use the code DISTRICT for 100 bucks free 
in your face when you sign up and then you know where to get your Viridian gear, your Viridian gear, your Viridian Global goat gear uh, at Viridian Global. Go check it out. Dan and I are rocking the tease tonight. Guys, hopefully you like the show tonight. A lot of goodness was dropped. We appreciate you guys hanging with us. Stay tuned for more goodness. And check us out, guys. 9 o'clock on the FFPC. We'll check you all later. District, you know the Pope listens. Dynasty, our religion, for the blokes missing on all of these trades, on all of these plays, on all of these grades. By the end of the day, y'all getting played. So, what you gonna do next? Try to fill up that flex. Send the homie a text. That trash offers the best. You try to make it complex. Then they text you back. Now, all of a sudden, they don't make any sense. <laughs> Broaden your horizons, boy. Dynasty's not for the Simons, boy. These trades not for consignment, boy. Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy. This my advice from me to you. Open up your cute little podcast queue. Search up G-O-A-T district, my dude. Pop it in your ear, man. Y'all know what to do. It's the... And I always be trading. Trading. And I always be trading. Trading. And I always be trading. Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them. Fish.